Good morning, LCM. We're going to be in Philippians 2.12 to begin this morning. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue. Somebody say continue. Continue. To work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act according to His good purpose. Amen. Our message today is titled, No Wiggle Room, Family Banner. We live in a society that refuses to work out their salvation. You could say that the anthem of the masses has turned the rock of our faith into a continuous party. You know, a kind of party rock anthem. Where they love to wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. <laughs> Away from the seriousness of the stakes at hand until BAM! Mm, they are shocked the by the results. I work out. <laughs> I'm holy and I know it. <laughs> the thing is that leaving yourself no wiggle room allows God to work in you to will and act according to his purpose. Let's look at this further. Everybody turn to Numbers chapter 2. We'll start in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, The Israelites are to camp around the tent of meeting some distance from it, each man under his standard with the banners of his family. So you'll see in this next slide, we have the arrangement of the tribes of Israel. And Moses begins to describe this in further detail in the remainder of chapter 2. But notice how each tribe was to camp in a specific direction under a specific standard with absolutely no wiggle room or alteration. I don't know how many of you were parenting in 2007. But in 2007, the parenting world was brutally barraged by a group of Australian singers. They were featured on a television show called The Wiggles. The principal characters were Paul, Dorothy, Anthony, Greg, Murray, and Jeff. But the antagonist in the show was Captain Feathersword. Uh. You know, that would be a great name for many of today's ministers and theologians. <laughs> Captain Feathersword. America seems to love wiggle room and our tribal arrangement. About as much as a four-year-old loved Captain Feathersword in the 2000s. We need to get a couple things straight this morning. They're instructive details for us. Lest we become as ridiculous as that television show was. When you look at this graphic up here, although only one tribe displays the standard, three tribes stand under it. So what I mean by that is Judah displays the standard, but Issachar and Zebulun stand under that very same standard, yeah. even though they have their own. Reuben displays the standard, but Gad and Simeon stand under it. Benjamin and Manasseh stand under the standard of Ephraim. Dan displays a standard, but Asher and Naphtali stand under it. There was no wiggle room in these arrangements. When you work out their numbering, and since it says that Reuben had to camp to the south, Ephraim to the west, Judah to the east, and Dan to the north. And at some point, if the group gets too wide, it's no longer north. It's northeast or northwest or is drifted into east. When you work out the numbers that are actually there, 
whatever width you determine as standard, it forms a perfect shape of a cross where the vertical member is about three times as long as the east to west member. God arranged this order. More than that, their tribal standards told us a story. Reuben, behold the son. Uh, Ephraim, a doubly blessed one. Dan, he that judges. And then Judah, may he be praised. This tells the story of Jesus. More than that, this tribal arrangement with the faces that are on it, Judah being the face of a lion, Reuben being the face of a man, Ephraim being the face of an oxen, Dan being the face of an eagle. These are the living creatures' faces that support the very throne of God in the book of Ezekiel and the book of Revelation. The tribal arrangement itself forms the throne of God. Today, by each of us understanding our placement with no wiggle room, will promote a kind of unity that God is pleased with. It will tell a story that transforms the entire world. And the best part is that God himself will be a throne upon us in every way that is always moving forward and never backwards. Amen. Just as Ezekiel one twelve says. We don't want our families to look like the book of Judges, do we? Where every man did what was right in his own eyes. We want to come fully into the monarchy of King Jesus without drifting into Captain Feather Sword's ear-tickling tranquil trails. Notice that every single person in Israel was camped under a standard, one that represented the very throne of God. In that sense, there was only ever one standard, the absolute rule of God's throne, displayed in two specific areas. The first area, how you were positioned with Him in relation to His tabernacle. Let me say that again. How you were positioned with him and in relation to his tabernacle. The second, how you were positioned with his people. Sounds familiar, doesn't it, saints? This allowed you to have a twofold witness that you were standing in the right place with absolutely no wiggle room. Mm. You know, the word for standard that they're camped under. We have a slide for it. It's Strong's number 1714. Degel. Degel is a masculine noun, and it denotes a standard or a flag. That's not really what I wanted to point to, though, because I'm sure you already have that. Look at the references that are here. This is every time that it's used in the Word of God. Yeah. The context that we're talking about only is the book of Numbers, and you see them listed at the bottom of your screen. Do you catch that there's one that is not in the book of Numbers? Yes. It's interesting. That's Song of Songs 2-4. I'll quote it for you. He has taken me to the banquet hall, and his standard over me is love. Some translations say banner, but it's the same word, degel. Look, understand that no one comes to be a part of God's people without first recognizing that everything about them is utterly unlovable. You were an enemy of God. You were under his wrath. You were destined for divine judgment. Literally, no good thing dwelt in you. There can be no wiggle room on this point. You were an enemy of God, but Romans 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were enemies, somebody say enemies. Enemies. 
we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? See, you were not a pretty good person who loved the Lord all of your life. You were not just raised in church and slowly slipped into the kingdom. You were a sinner. You were a monstrous sinner. An enemy of God that had to be saved and transformed so that you could take your place among God's people in your proper position. There can be no wiggle room on this point. Look, compromise in this area, it leaves you with something. A Samaritan standard. Or a Babylonian banner. In the 1990s, there was a song. Wiggle it mm, just a little bit. The results are always disastrous, though. Think about Eve. She wiggled it just a little bit. Achan wiggled it just a little bit. Balaam loved to wiggle it more than a little bit. Saul wiggled it just a little bit. Solomon couldn't stop wiggling it. (laughs) Judas was a wiggler. Demas could have written that song, Wiggle It a Little Bit. (laughs) At LCM, we believe that there is only one standard that God's people can now be drawn to. And it is His love for you while you were. Say were. Were. A sinner. Now. Say now. Now. Now you are being transformed and you must learn to take your place under a family banner. Amen. The family banner relates to the standard and to the tabernacle, but it's far more specific to your family. Let's read Numbers 2 again, starting in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, The Israelites are to camp around the tent of meeting some distance from it, each man under his standard with the banners. Everybody say banners. Banners. Of his family. The word for your family banner in this passage is very telling. It's Strong's number 226, pronounced oat. 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 So your oats. So the first and foremost thing to recognize about this word is that it is a masculine noun. Mm. In the name of Jesus. It's not a feminine product with a few strings attached. Uh Uh-oh. Yep, yep, I did. It was meant to describe a miraculous sign. Even the paleo for this word is telling. We have an aleph that is a strong leader, a vav, meaning to attach, and a tov at the end, meaning a sign. The family banner in numbers is not just a delicate decoration. It is a marker of the miraculous. Come on. It is an awe-inspiring event. Let me show you what I mean. Everybody turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 19. Amen. We're going to have fun with this word this morning. Verse 19. You saw with your very own eyes the great trials, the miraculous signs. This is that word, oat. And wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. The banner over your family as you stand with God's people is your supernatural, radical, heavenly conversion. Mm. Let me say this again. The banner over your family as you stand with God's people is your supernatural, radical, heavenly conversion. It began on the day you were born of the substance of heaven and you died to everything that is sinful. We're going to work through 
details about a family banner. You'll see them always appearing on this screen. The very first thing that I hope that you got is that your banner has to be supernatural. It has to be wondrous. It has to be something that was born of heaven. We're not talking about some kind of uh, platitude. We're talking about an actual experience. See, Matthew didn't inherit a family banner. Nope. In fact, his home life was in shambles. We were two lost guys that stumbled into a dead church that was honestly more of a political machine than an embassy of heaven. Even in that setting, heaven broke through. Matthew was all alone in his room reading a gospel track, and he began to reflect on the destruction resulting from being on the throne of his own life. He contemplated the seriousness of radically leaving everything and asking Jesus to fully direct every detail of his life. Deuteronomy 31.6 came to his mind, particularly the part that says, Never will I leave you or forsake you. It was raining outside. At that moment, thunder struck both in the natural realm and in the spiritual realm. Yeah, it did. The Almighty Spirit of God filled his room, filled his life, yeah. and became a banner over his family that Jesus would give Matthew in the years to come Absolutely. as his understanding grew. Yes. Matthew didn't inherit a corporate slogan. His family banner was born out of the heavens with supernatural signs accompanying it. I know because I was there. I saw what Jesus did in his life. It was one of the most radical transformations I've ever seen before or since. Matthew experienced the very presence of God and knew that he would spend the rest of his life helping others enter into the presence of God. Among the first and certainly the most notable thing in Matthew's beginning is that he began to put into practice 1 Peter 1.15. Matthew knew that the Lord was holy and it was Matthew's ambition to be holy in everything that he did. The result was that Matthew took his stand with God's people. He was completely separate from the world. This allowed Jesus to start to reveal a Piro family banner. You will propel others into my presence. Amen. You know, my transformation was radical. In fact, it brought immediate persecution from every side. But I don't know if it was the most radical transformation that I've ever seen. Because I was there when Eric Stevens was born again. He walked into our high school one morning with a glow of heaven on his face. Oh, it was so much more than Pond's facial cream. It was the presence of the living God. My friend had been transformed from a violent, wicked sinner into a son of the living God. My friend, it was visible. I could see that he was different even before he spoke to me. You know, friends, when we have the substance of heaven inside of us, other people can recognize that same substance. He began to tell me about the way the Lord had audibly spoken to him. His life was a wreck and the Holy Spirit was now wrecking him. Mm. He had been reading Matthew 7, 21, where it says, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter my kingdom, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. This put Eric on a collision course with God. And I had the fortunate opportunity to have a front row seat to the event. Mm. While he was praying, the Lord spoke to him. It wasn't a cardinal church platitude. In fact, it was the Lord's very voice that knocked him down while he was alone in his room. After praying, Lord, change me, Eric stood up in more ways than one. He came to his feet physically and spiritually. The spirit filled his room. 
The Spirit of God filled his heart. The Spirit of God filled his entire life at that very moment. And it was then that we could clearly see that Eric would spend the rest of his life putting people on a collision course with God. And we all say amen to that. The difference in the man that he was that day, or that day before, and the man standing before me that morning was so dramatic that even our Baptist friends had to testify that something supernatural had happened. Uh Uh-oh. Eric was born of God to excite people about the reality of the kingdom. And the Lord was giving him the Stevens family banner. Eric didn't inherit a family banner. King Jesus made him into a family banner. I was there. I saw firsthand what happened. A family banner. It begins in the supernatural transformation of an individual. There's no wiggle room. No variation in who that man is now. He is dead to the world and alive to the advancement of the kingdom of God. Can anybody say amen to that principle? Your banner starts with a supernatural transformation, not a slow fade. Let's turn to Genesis 9 and verse 12. We'll also put them on the screens for you because we're likely to keep a pace. And God said, let this sign, this oat, this banner, this family banner, let this sign of the covenant I am making between me and you. Between who? Me and you and every living creature with you a covenant for all generations to come i have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth whenever i bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds i will remember my covenant between me and you and all the living creatures of every kind never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. It's normal that when you read this passage, you read it as a promise to all mankind that he will never flood the world. But if you look at it a little more closely, this is first and foremost a promise to Noah and Noah's family that God would never flood the world. Think about it. Noah's the only one that's there. It's Noah, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. It's not a promise to the whole world. It's a promise to Noah's family. The rest of us are just benefiting from the promise to Noah and his family. This becomes a part of Noah's family banner. This kind of promise. When I think about that, I can't help but remember when Matthew began to wrestle with Romans 12. Specifically the phrase in Romans 12, in view of God's mercy. It was something that was just rolling over in Matthew's mind. The Lord of glory assured Matthew in his inner being that Matthew could enter into the presence of God at any time, in any place, and under any level of adversity because of the blood of Jesus. This personal promise to Matthew, it became a mantra of the Piros. Their family banner grew and developed until it was a blessing to the world outside of the Piro home. When Jesus gives you a promise, it becomes part of your family banner. No wiggle room. No deviation. You must learn to stand under your family banner in the promise of your family banner. Amen. Is that a good word? You know, there are often many supernatural promises that become part of your supernatural family banner. I remember when Eric was in India. He had taken Judah all over the world that year. 
Eric was particularly troubled because Judah had begun the normal teenage process of questioning his calling under the family banner. It's true. Oh, nobody's experienced that in this room ever before. Eric was praying on the roof in Chennai, India, and knew that he needed to go get his Bible. So he walked downstairs with a sense of urgency and opened his Bible to Isaiah 59, 21. I'll read this to you. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you and my words that I have put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouth of your children or from the mouths of their descendants from this time on and forever, says the Lord. Later that same day, Raja Israel brought Eric their family journal. It began seven generations earlier with the first Christian ever in the Israel family. Raja pointed out that the first of his ancestors to be born again was given the exact same promise from Isaiah 59, 21. Seven generations later, every son, despite normal teenage troubles, had entered into ministry and were dramatically advancing the cause of Christ in India. Amen. The personal promise to Eric became part of the Stevens family banner. They fight for everyone's sons to come into the fullness of their callings. And we are all blessed by that effort. When Jesus gives you a promise, it becomes part of your family banner. No wiggle room. No deviation. You must stand under your own family banner. You know, this kind of stuff happens to you enough. And your family banner begins to take on a little family attitude. Yeah, it does. I want to turn to Genesis 17, 11 to begin to speak to you about that. You are to undergo circumcision. Woo! And it will be the oat, the sign, the banner yes. of the covenant between me and you. Abraham had a family banner. He had family promises. And in this verse, the sign, the oat, the banner was circumcision. Can you imagine that? This is not a temporary cost. It was a permanent sign, a permanent banner. It was to display the Lord, but in the most personal of ways. Nobody else in the world is doing this at this time. Nobody. Abraham's almost 100 years old. What moxie, what spiritual strength, what divine determination must it have taken to take on this kind of practice, not just for you, but everybody in your family? Talk about no wiggle room. <laughs> Don't move. In this verse, you can get a sense for the kind of no wiggle room attitude. Yeah. Absolutely no digression attitude. Yeah. It takes to walk under a supernatural family banner. Come on, no digression. Say that with me. No digression. No wiggle room. Say no wiggle room. No, wiggle room. no matter what. Say no matter what. No matter what. This is one of my favorite characteristics that define who the Stevens are. In fact, countless teachings in this church have come from it. Let's look at this in 1 Chronicles 21, starting verse 22. David said to him, Let me have the sight of your threshing floor, so I can build an altar to the Lord, that the plague on the people may be stopped. Sell it to me, at the full price. Full price. Aruna said to David, Take it. Let my lord, the king, do whatever pleases him. 
Look, I will give the oxen for the burnt offerings, the threshing sledges for the wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. I will give all of this. But King David replied to Aruna, No, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that cost me nothing. When I think of the Stevens family banner, I think of full price Christians. The greater the cost, the greater the glory for their king, Jesus. You will not find a Stevens I know looking to digress. They will not ditch out or dig around some kind of difficulty. These guys stand in the attitude of their family banner as a sign regarding the greatness of Christ. Ask a Stevens and they'll tell you. The more it costs for Christ, the more you know that you love Christ. Amen. No digression. No wiggle room. Yeah. No matter what it costs. No what it costs. My friends, the Piros, have become living sacrifices. Romans 12 has been at work in their life for many years. I think they've mined it more than most. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Countless cute little Christians consider the cost too high. They contemplate, they calculate, and they circumcise. But it's not their flesh they cut. It is Christ's covenant that they compromise. Mm. The Piros have a family attitude. They stand under a supernatural family banner and they propel people into the presence of our King with precision and without preference for personal pleasures. They delight in filling up what is lacking in regards to Christ's affliction. Yeah, we do. I know that the Stevens family are inspired to be better because of their no digression, no wiggle room, no matter what it costs, attitude. They are living sacrifices joyfully on the altar of our God. Amen. Look, every family banner is birthed in supernatural signs with supernatural promises. They're even filled with supernatural attitude. Your family banner will also include supernatural missions. And they tend to have supernatural components to them. Amen. Let's go to Exodus. Let me read Exodus 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Has anyone ever felt this way? Incompetent, maybe a bit insecure to meet the call. (coughs) And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign. This will be the oat. This will be the banner to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will. Everybody say will. Worship God on this mountain. Think about what the Lord is saying to Moses. I am going to give you a sign, an oath. The sign is, wait for it, wait. Y'all ready for it? The sign is, you will complete the mission. Come on now, that's shocking, isn't it? (laughs) You mean I actually have to finish what he gave me? When you finish it, that'll be your sign. There, there's your sin. <laughs> your family banner is not always a specific mission, but it is always defined by completing the missions that the Lord has sent you on. Pastor, why don't you say that one more time? Mm. And the three people that ran out need to come back in and hear that. 
Amen. Yeah. Say, say it loudly so that they hear it. It needs to be a part of their life as much as everyone else's. For everyone in the room and in the bathroom, your family banner is not always a specific mission, but it is always defined by completing the missions that the Lord sends you on. Amen. One of the defining things of this church that comes from the Stevens banner is whenever you are lost and trying to figure out what to do, you go back to the last thing that God told you to do. Have you finished the previous thing that God has given you? I've known Eric and Jennifer for 29 years now. You're getting old. Yes. And I'm, I'm the baby of the whole group, too. I was That's two when he met me. You guys know from experience, when the Stevens say that the Lord told them to do something, they get it done. We're sitting in this very room because of that family banner over the Stephen household. How many of you have been on a missions trip led by the Stevens with some unforeseen obstacles, right? That is a guaranteed combination to happen if you just possess a Ford truck on a missions trip with the Stevens. It may even bleed over into a Nissan Armada and its axle breaking down once you cross the border back into Texas. Or just a casual stroll with the cartel. Or border agents restricting your, your, your means of, uh, of traveling. That's why we carry donuts. <laughs> but the whole point is, don't the Stevens get the job done? <laughs> they do. And then there's no wiggle room, no departure, no matter what. This becomes a sign, an oat, a banner that builds the confidence of everybody that's in camp near the Stevens. Don't you feel encouraged immediately by the tenacity to get things done in the Stevens household? Yes. Amen. When Christians start a task without completing the task, they showcase their own immaturity and make the potentate of the universe appear impotent. Mm. Big words today, church. Big words. The Stevens possess a get-or-done kind of attitude. They complete the task, which becomes an actual sign that God has called them and also called you to do it. Mm. You know, there are many kinds of family missions, but each family will see repeating supernatural components in those missions. If they refuse to depart from what the Lord tells them, then this becomes clear. Yeah. I mean, there can be no wiggle room. Yeah. In almost 30 years of knowing the Piros and their family banner, Romans 12 comes to life in them in every way. The last part of Romans 12 says, uh, verse 2, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able. Somebody say, then. Then. Then you will be able. When you've stood against the world, when you've been a living sacrifice, when your aim is holiness, then you will be able to test and approve of what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Like Moses, I'm sure many of us can relate to the idea that you have no idea why the Lord would choose you or your family. Especially for a specific mission. Insecurity. And inability are two devilish deterrents to any divinely directed task. The Piro family attitude ascends above these deceptive departures from the divine will of God. 
by offering themselves as living sacrifices. They don't depart because they are the sacrifice. This allows every Piro family mission to be characterized by being able to test and approve of what God's will is. Sacrifice allows them to fully discern God's will without the encumbrances of insecurity and inability. Supernatural missions must have supernatural components. This comes from taking your place under your family banner without departure. No wiggle room. Get her done. Somebody say, get her done. Get her done. Listen, if your family is not characterized by completing what you start, change it today. Yes. I want to recap what the Lord has revealed to us so far. You see five things on the slide that is in front of you. Your banner for your family begins with a supernatural heavenly transformation. If that never happened, then you haven't even begun your family banner. Then your banner is built by the personal promises God gives your family that begin in your family but bless the people that are around you. Your family banner begins to take on its own attitude for every person that walks under the family banner. Mom, dad, so-and-so across the street doesn't do it like this. That's okay because we're Arius's. That's okay because we're Sutherland's. Listen, you don't understand. You were born into a Phillips household. This is who we are. This is what we do. That is a family attitude. Like full price. Like living sacrifice. Then you start to see that your missions that your family is sent on are characterized by supernatural components that show up in every mission. Look, how do you know that God called you to do it? Well, in the Stevens household, we know God called us to do it because we did it. That's, that's, that's how we know. In the Piro household, they know because their living sacrifice is fully submitted. And in every situation, they find themselves knowing what the will of God is as they're in the middle of the situation. Now, we're going to discuss method. And method has to do with the tribal arrangement of Israel. Pastor Piro told us in the beginning that our tribal arrangement allowed us to verify with God and man that we were positioned properly. It's much like shalom in that sense. You would always be able to look towards the tabernacle of God's throne and then your placement with the other covenant families so that you could know you were in right standing. Do you get that? We look towards his throne and then we look towards each other. You get to triangulate like that. By this means, every family banner was provided with a family method of determining that they were in right order. Let me show you how this works for both the Piros and the Stevens. It's the same scripture because the Lord revealed it at the same time. This is 1 Samuel 14 and verse 6. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come then. We will cross over. Did you catch the shift in the pronoun? We will cross over toward the men and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay here where we are and not go up to them. But 
If they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign, oat, banner. They would see it as a sign that the Lord had given them into their hands. Are you catching this? The sign is that if thousands want to fight with the two of them, then they will know that it's the Lord. (laughs) You have to ask yourself, where does this come from? This kind of supernatural courage flows directly from being in covenant with others, heart and soul. Our family method is that we only fight in teams. We see confirmation in our covenant partners. We are not lone rangers. There is no wiggle room on this point for us. There's no divergent on this point for us. We are emboldened by the Lord and we are emboldened by each other. That is our family method. You know, the truth about this method is that sometimes we are Jonathan and other times we're the armor bearer. But ego never enters into it. Amen. It's never a factor. Lego my ego. (laughs) In Acts 16, Paul had a vision. But every man concluded God had called them to go. Do you see the unity in that vision? That's the method we're talking about. When Peter and John were preaching, the Bible says that they said, but only one voice is recorded. It's true. And we don't even know which one of them we're speaking. That's the kind of unity that we're trying to build within our family standards. Our family method with no wiggle room, no divergence, and no glory yeah. is that we work in unity with those encamped at the same standard. Amen. Unity is everything. Yeah. We have the security of knowing that God is a throne upon us corporately as we stand in our assigned place for battle. Yeah. We know that our brother is not for himself. He is for the Lord and he's also for us. Yes. The method, this method is a force multiplier. This method is a force multiplier and becomes a lever with which we can move the very gates of hell off of its devilish hinges. Amen. Do you all want to accomplish that task? We're going to do it together. How many men of God have you known that were dynamic in their own right, anointed beyond belief, but never managed to embrace this very method? A bunch. You've got to ask yourself the question, where are they now? I'm sure books have been written about their greatness, their revelation, and their exploits. But without embracing this method... The only thing they have are books. That's true. We're talking about a family banner banner that stands throughout generations. Come on now. Generations. A family banner that sons rise underneath. Amen. A family banner that should endure until the return of Christ himself. Yes, in the name of Jesus. When seeking eternal results, you must embrace eternal methods. We do not diverge from this principle. There can be absolutely no wiggle room from this method. Every family banner, though, brings with it curses and blessings. For that matter, so does the Word of God, right? That's true. So it's fitting that your family banner, which is derived from your interaction with God's Word, does the exact same thing. Yeah. When you're thinking about that particular thing, curses and blessings that come from your banner. It's important that we acknowledge them up front. 
The Pirro family banner always propels people into the presence of God. They've been doing this since Matthew's supernatural transformation. In the early days of my own walk, Matthew read the word to me. He encouraged me in the spiritual gifts. And Matthew baptized me in water. When I think of the Pirro family banner, I can't help but think of Barnabas. He's what comes to mind. And all of the blessings and the curses associated with Barnabas also come to mind. I want to walk you verbally through what I mean by that. In Acts 4.36, Barnabas is simply Joseph, who is a Levite. He's renamed from Joseph the Levite to Bar-Naba. Some Bibles say it means son of encouragement, but it's probably more accurately son of prophecy. It seems that Barnabas had the ability to look into someone and see the potential that should be encouraged out of them. That's a part of who Barnabas was. It was always a part of who Matthew was. It still is a part of who Matthew is. In Acts 9.26, the disciples are scared of a young man named Saul. They don't want anything to do with him. But Barnabas took him to the apostles. He vouched for him. More than that, he vouched for the calling on his life and what he had seen God do through him in preaching in Damascus. By the time you get to Acts 11, Barnabas is sent to Antioch to teach the Gentiles because it's what Barnabas was. He was a teacher and an encourager and a prophet in the faith. But by Acts 11.25, Barnabas has left his assignment to go look for the young man Saul and include him in the work that he was given to do. That all reminds me very much of the Piros. How many people do you know that when they're asked who their favorite Bible character is, jump out of their seat and respond, Oh, Barnabas, obviously! I mean, that doesn't happen often. Conversely, if you say, Hey, who's your favorite Bible character? Nobody's shocked to hear the word Paul, are you? Can you imagine how hard it is to be responsible for the beginnings of others? And no one know that their ending achievements weren't possible without you? Let that sink in for a minute. The Pirro family banner has a curse associated with it. There is very little fanfare associated with what they do. That can be difficult to deal with. Knowing your family banner, knowing your identity and placement in the kingdom allows you to deal with the curse or the difficulties associated with your banner because your expectations were set correctly in the very beginning. You know what's even better than that? Knowing your family banner allows you to deal with the blessings of the family banner without failure as well. While Barnabas was nearly always in the background, he was also instrumental in seeing the transformation of Saul to Paul. He was instrumental in seeing John Mark go from a sniveling coward who turned back to the mighty writer of the gospel of Mark. But you know what you never see Barnabas or Matthew Pirro doing? Claiming credit for the achievement of the men that they propelled into the presence of their king. See, the family banner prepares you for both the difficulty and the blessings of success. And you know how to handle it. Every family banner has curses and blessings that those who walk under the banner must be prepared to deal with. There can be no wiggle room. There can be no fluctuation in family banner regardless of whether you are experiencing difficulty or you're experiencing blessing. Uh, This is such good truth. In Psalm 65, we have another use 
of the Hebrew word ot or banner. Psalm 65, 8 says, Those living far away fear your wonders. Fear your oat, your banner. Where morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You know, I was there when Pastor Eric was first born again. I can say with confidence that the family banner of the Stevens is one that the nominal Christian, the lost person, even hell itself fears. The Stevens put people on a collision course with the realities of the kingdom. What could be more polarizing than, than that? From that time, we went out to the minister. Both of us could be standing in a crowd, but the drunk dude always came up to Eric. We could be ministering on the street, and the demoniac would manifest in front of Eric. We could be detained in a foreign country, and the police, the cartel, the border guard, they always picked Eric out of the crowd. They never picked me. You could say that the Stevens family has a family curse, and that is to be hated by some. It is something that you have to prepare a young Stevens heart for when they learn to walk underneath that family banner. It's true. The psalm goes on to say something else, though. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. You know something about the Stevens family banner is that it is full of the anointing of God. And it has never run dry. They are polarizing because they are called to excite people about the realities of the kingdom. They can't kick against this or try to be something else or something different. God has established this family banner over the Stevens household. While some hate the fact about facing the realities of the kingdom, others are drawn to it. Amen. They provide the people of God with grain because the Lord has blessed them and God has ordained it to happen. Learning to walk under the family banner, whether you are experiencing people's hatred, a curse, or people's love, which is a blessing, has to be without fluctuation. I mean, with no wiggle room, it actually makes the family banner that much more clear. Look, we are 45 minutes in, and we're coming to our final and perhaps most important aspect of your family banner. We're going to be turning to the book of Revelation. When my children used to watch that television show called The Wiggles, I think at the time it was our alternative to Teletubby because... Some fat TV preacher said that they were demonic. The Wiggles featured a segment called Wiggle Time. Y'all laughing because y'all... That's what it is. This, right now, this is not that time. Resist the urge to get distracted. Resist the urge to suddenly need to get up and run out of the room for some reason. Aberration, wiggling, fluctuation, divergence, departure, decretion... Deviation and variation on this next point, even if you get every other point right, will ruin it all. Man, do I have your full attention now? You can't establish a family banner without a family. You also can't have a family without a wife. Maybe that's one of the reasons that Proverbs says, he who finds a capable, virtuous, 
vigorous wife finds a good thing. Isn't that right, Mr. Linton? Isn't that right, Mrs. Linton? Man, have you ever seen somebody smile so big as they're smiling right now? We're going to be in Revelation 12. And all joking aside, this really is the point that we could start with. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Look, when the Lord adds a wife to you, it is a great sign. It's a wondrous sign. She is who you build your family banner with. The sign appears somewhere. It appears in the heavens before it is ever manifest on earth. Meeting your spouse, listen to me closely, meeting your spouse should be a supernatural event. A wondrous and miraculous sign. A truly supernatural family banner starts with the building of a supernatural family. One that God had in mind before the earth was ever aware of it. You know, when I look out at people, some look for heavenly bodies in a spouse. Rick James. But very few look to the heavens for their spouse. Come on. See, heaven should conceive of your family before you are trying to conceive a family. Well, say that again, Pastor. That's good. Heaven should conceive of your family before you tried to conceive a family. There's no aberration, no wiggle room on this kind of point. If you force on earth what was not conceived in the heavens, how can God be enthroned upon your life? The first sign that a man is truly facing the tabernacle of God is that he is positioned with a wife that was given to him by God. Isn't it a treasure to have a woman of God that will stand with you underneath the banner? Mm. The wife that Jesus builds your family with will be clothed in the sun. Mm. She will reflect your calling and boldly advance your banner. In fact, it'll be supernatural. Rather than supplant you, she will live. She will expend herself to spiritually support you. The reason that the moon is pictured under the supernatural woman's feet is that she is firmly grounded in her function. Every lady in the room should listen. She is a reflection of the family banner. She is not the source of the family banner. He is the greater light and she is the lesser light, but they govern together shining the family banner both day and night. Oh, listen up, saints. A wife who understands this principle will never resent her role. She will never despise being a mom, but instead she'll be crowned with children who carry the family banner like stars shining in the heavens. Mm. You ladies, do you want to be that element that brings glory to your husband and the result is that you have generations of shining stars? Mm. Hey, man, good to hear y'all call out. They will be a sign of hope to everyone within this dark generation. There is a seventh thing. We've been approaching it, and now it's time to reveal it. A seventh thing about your family banner is that your family is the banner. It is the oat. 
It is the supernatural and wondrous sign that God wants to display to the world. Your family is supposed to be the actual sign. When you're looking at these things, you had to be radically transformed. If you weren't radically transformed, how can you lead a supernatural family? You have to be receiving from heaven promises that are derived from His Word. Or else, how do you take things personal to your family and build the world? Your whole family should derive their attitude from your attitude as you reflect the Word of God. The family should go on various missions that the Lord would send you on, but they should all have supernatural components that characterize your family. As a method, your family banner has to be found in your tribal arrangement. If you're not doing it with anyone, if no one is helping you do what you do, then you cannot be in your proper tribal arrangement. Every family is going to engender both curses and blessings because of what God has called them to do and how He's called them to do it. It's our job to prepare our family for those things that inevitably come. The truth is, your family itself is supposed to be waved before the world like a family banner. But that only happens if you all stand under the same standard. As we're coming to our closing, and we really are there, You need to start to make a note of a couple things. Your family banner, it's going to be, number one, perfected in suffering. It's how Jesus was perfected. And it's the only way that your family banner can be perfected. It will always be through suffering. Number two, your family banner must be supernatural. And will therefore be perfected in the supernatural. This makes you part of the family of God and ensures that Jesus is not ashamed to call your family brothers. Mm. You must be of the same substance of heaven that he is. Your family banner, it starts after your heavenly transformation with the perfection of your spouse given to you by heaven. See, these three things are incredibly important. If you are not willing to go through suffering, you will never develop your family banner. It will never shine a clear message. If you don't expect and depend upon your family banner being supernatural, then how will it reflect the supernatural reign of God? And if you did not begin in heavenly transformation and heaven did not attach you to a heavenly spouse, then how can you represent him? See, these three things are something every family should be thinking about. But as we actually come to our close, we want to hit these points for you in single sentences and rest on them for just a second. We are 54 minutes right now. It might be the shortest sermon I've ever been a part of in my life. Sometimes when the Lord gives you clarity on what to say, it doesn't take that long to say it. I can say with certainty that some of you in this room... You need to revisit the way that you say that you came into the kingdom. If it was over many years, and over those many years it was sporadic, and in that sporadic time it was difficult to tell whether or not you represented Jesus, how can you say that you had a supernatural transformation? Sounds more like you were in and out of a political affiliation. 
There can be no variant on this point. You're either radically changed from heaven or you were trying to follow Christ but never did until the moment that that happened. And if you can't identify that moment, you really are going to have to get on your face and ask heaven to help you because there's no such thing as a gradual slide into the kingdom. Additionally, some of you need to revisit the promises that God has given you. Have you deviated? Have you altered? Have you rearranged what these promises are in order to avoid difficulty and bring yourself your own glory? A new promise every week without standing under the previous promise. That's not a family banner. It's a family shame. Some of you need to revisit the attitude that you walk around with. There can be no digression from what the Word says it must be. A family banner includes a family attitude. Do you represent your family and the family of God well with the attitude that you display daily? Some of you need to persevere to the completion of the mission that God has given you. No one who departs from the mission should think they will inherit anything within the kingdom. Yeah, I, I need that to set in on you. Starting out a mission is not completing one. Putting on your armor is not the same as taking on it off after the battle. Yeah. Putting your hand on the plow is not the same as removing your hand from the plow. The sign of your family banner has to include that you complete the missions that he sends your family on. Yeah. Some of you need to take a serious look at your methods. There's no divergence in the way that God operates. Whose vision would you die for other than your own? Who outside of your family are you so committed to the vision of their family that you would die for it? Some of you need to stop a fleshly fluctuation. You serve Jesus well when you feel blessed, but you're nowhere found when it's times of cursing. That you deviate from standing true to the family banner that God has given you. And you take the easy road out, only wanting blessings and avoiding the curses. When we're thinking of fleshly fluctuation, I want to go back to method for a minute because I think it's one of the strongest points that has to be made here today. Who do you need to complete the task God has given you? Can you identify him? Who needs you to complete their task? See... That's everything. How can we preach about tribal arrangement and family banner and you walk away thinking, oh, I'm going to build my family banner. And you don't realize that you have to stand under a standard with other families, that the families relate to each other and that they came in groups of three. See, many more of you, more than fleshly fluctuation, more than taking a serious look at your methods, many more, almost everybody in the room, if I'm honest, You need to take your family as seriously as God does. We have a real problem. We have a ministry hero outside the home, but a hog inside the home. We see our callings as everywhere except the one place that God wants to build a family banner, which is in your home, starting with your wife. That is everything. We can't be a king outside the castle and a spiritual peon inside the castle. The family banner begins with you and a supernatural wife and children that are stars in a crown. Amen. 
It cannot begin in someone else's home meeting, on some street corner somewhere, in another church somewhere, in a distant land. It must flow directly from your home. Are you giving that the same kind of attention that God does? Are you taking the ministry to your own family as serious as God does? Or are you more concerned with the lost out there than you are your own family? Because you're not fit to serve the lost out there until you have proven yourself with your own family. That's a good word. Let's begin to stand to our feet, saints. What this word is aimed at is that God is bringing your family, our family, up to the tribal standard of this church. Now is the time to come and take your place at this altar with the people of God who are being perfected by Him. We have a call to rise to the family standard that God has put just for the overall global church that Jesus died for. But more importantly, for the very lives within this room, the very families within this room. Because as we unify with the Father and unify with each other underneath our family banners, our unity will provide the power of God to begin to bring transformation to the rest of the world. The effectiveness of your ministry outside the home is dependent upon the effectiveness of the ministry inside the home. So as we begin to pray, now is the time to get your hearts right. In whatever area of the seven that we've listed, ask God to bring revelation so that you can walk away having a deeper understanding of how to put this into practice. Mighty King, we surrender to you our heart, our mind, our will, and emotions. But we ask that your presence, your word, and your spirit magnify to us what we need to do to be solidified and unified underneath the family banner you have given us. May we complete the work that you've given us. And Lord, let your joy fill us as we accomplish it. We love you, Jesus, and we surrender everything to you.